Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello there, my very good friends. Andy Murray here for What Culture, alongside my very good friends, Michael Sidgwick and Michael Hamflet, here with another edition of Get the Table, where we discuss one of the burning issues in pro wrestling at the moment. And this one, to pull the veil back a little bit, stems from an office conversation this very morning, talking about AEW Dynamite, the quality of the show in recent weeks, which, you know, these things are subjective, but we feel is up across the board. The quality is there. The details are there, more importantly. Michael Sidgwick, this uh, just happens to coincide with a certain return. It does. I don't want to give all the credit for AEW's resurgence and the vibe being back to Kenny Omega, but the coincidence is there. Like, I described the period between All Out and Full Gear when you could actually pay attention to the fiction, which was nowhere near as interesting as the reality, which was a, a problem across the board. Everyone just wanted a resolution one way or the other, too brawl out but i would describe that period in apologies it shouldn't be a niche reference everyone should know the beatles back catalog to be honest <laughs> but it was more like let it be than white album but mm. like that gonzo creativity wasn't there it just felt like under the stewardship of john moxley and chris jericho who i'm not saying are very broad and populist they sprinkle loads of wonderful details and easter eggs in their work as well but it just felt more like a traditional professional wrestling show that happened Everything happened, heat angles, comebacks, all the rest of it, in the right order and very, very elegantly played, but it just didn't feel like that wild spark, those genius details were quite there. And now that Kenny Omega is back, it just feels like they are. I'm not necessarily saying, I know he's in the room, we know he's in the room. Tony Khan has said he's in the room. He gets input from his producers. He formats the show alongside QT Marshall. He also said that CM Punk was in the room, which is a very interesting tidbit, and he named them alongside the Elite. Now, MGF's excellent as well. He obviously has some of his own creative ideas, as do a lot of the professional wrestlers. But in terms of being in the room, Kenny Omega and his reemergence has, in fact, coincided with... Just the idea that you can luxuriate in the details, and I'll get into some of them momentarily, of AEW, it feels like pure nerd fan service. It's a more patient company than the competition. Um, I think it's deeper on a more granular level. I think there's more discussion to be had. Um, I just think it rewards, like, really, quite frankly, nerdy, um, obsessive professional wrestling fans. We saw glimpses of this um, on the road to All Out. This is a man who, to try and visually look broken in an accelerated version of a recovery arc, didn't wear fake tan on purpose. He 
put worked kinesio tape on his shoulder, which was just such a great touch. He also as well, can you remember, he cupped his body when he was falling apart in like 2019 as well, in 2020 and 2021, you'd notice he'd have these big cupping marks on his body. And that was sort of a visual cue of he is kind of holding himself together, literally by tape and with these cupping marks. And it might be a pseudoscience. I've absolutely got no idea. <laughs> but he's hanging on for dear life so he can do business with Hangman Page. The fact that after a long recovery process, he went to the bother of doing that to visually convey that he might not be all the way back and it made fans anxious about the idea that, oh, did he come back too early? And then he got the biggest pop possible. I think he got a bigger reaction in All Out in Chicago than CM Punk and John Moxley with a standoff with um, Hangman Page. Mm -hmm. Like these people were giving him a standing ovation. If you notice, and if you labour on these details, like he wore the most ostentatious gear he's worn in AEW to date, like it was jeweled out the ass. It was the most like sort of ridiculously complex and ornate spray paint RVD style design on his gear. He tanned, he revealed that body, that physique on my gear for the first time. Um, And that is the immense reward. And if you pay attention and you delve into those details like it just feels like it's the better promotion as a result and we've seen yet more of them since his return like the cm punk references were very broad did you know that um Hamfl- i don't know if you know this but the match in chicago right there were several pointed references to cm punk what? <laughs> but again it's the level of thought the way i put it last week is that i could understand the takes even though cm punk negged them first in fury mma but that's another story like, if they'd gone to kansas City or anywhere else except Chicago and did all that at the expense of CM Punk and won as baby faces. I would say, how are lads? There's no need for that. They actually showed us in Chicago. And if you notice, and again, it's the level of detail that I think separates AEW at its best from other promotions that he basically showed us an eight shit. Every single time that a CM Punk reference happened, he did that. He got cutted by Phoenix straight away. He got a 2.999 from the GTS and they lost the match and took hammers to the face and looked like assholes and clowns. Like, it's just a level above, and I do think Kenny Omega has a lot to do with that. We've often praised AEW by that which can't really be defined, which is vibes. Um, there has felt like, I think I used the phrase back to basics recently when I was referring to the post all out landscape of, uh, sorry, the post full gear landscape of AW in the wake of all out finally being like brushed to one side. But basics is the worst word in this case. It's that turn of phrase, but it's not that description of it because Tony Khan's uh, booking might have been around basic principles, but it was with far more thought and creativity than the basics. Kenny Omega and basics simply would be strange bedfellows. He does nothing, basically. If anything, the elite and Kenny Omega especially have done a really great job of making the niche mainstream. And then again, while in the mainstream, trying to do more niche stuff at the same time, it's a very hard tightrope to walk. It's why they remain as incredible as they are. As divisive as they are, it's very difficult to be so awesome for so long and still not be universally beloved. And I think that's genuinely one of the reasons why the elite mm-hmm. do that. I think if like if you had a wrestlers of the elite's clear, obvious in-ring ability that were just that good and allowed themselves to get broader and bigger and more box office, then there would come a time when nobody would really debate them anymore. And I think they understand that as well, because it's always worth, the, we've seen them do it, lowering their value to raise it all over again. All of this is detail-rich and detail-oriented. And I just think when AW was really finding its feet as a promotion, uh, elements in 2019, but especially in 2020, especially within the restrictions of the pandemic, when I still believe... Uh, from 2020 through to 2021, 
that was Tony Khan operating on another level at his booker's peak, one in which we thought had passed, and now we are starting to see it as well. Maybe it hasn't passed just yet. It does like lend credence to like Cedric's theory here that maybe it wasn't that Tony Khan had peaked, but it just it wasn't as a complete a setup as it had been when everything felt like it was peaking. Kenny Omega if nothing else, offers the gift of one of the best professional wrestlers in the world on your show, that is going to help the vibes if you know that Kenny Omega is going to work. But it's what else you can't see is often, I think, where some of the magic is being made. We can see it with, we've seen it with Elite for years. Like the whole point of the Elite saga is that you're there, you're invited to pick up stuff, but it doesn't matter if you don't because you'll be rewarded in the end, even if you think it's corny, even if you think it's a bit cheesy, which sometimes I do. You can't deny that they do reward that investment. I think if they didn't have these details and if they didn't have someone like a Kenny that you could identify as a details guy, then they would have never been a successful ergo. AEW would have never existed that I think that's hard proof that like that's who Omega is. Absolutely. And it's not just Kenny Omega who's coming onto television at the moment and giving you these little breadcrumb trails to follow and little bits and pieces that are going to be paid off later down the line. It's, it seems to be something that has spread all the way across the card as a whole. Um, We've seen it in recent actions between William Regal and MJF, which exploded in spectacular fashion this week, for example. Um, do we feel that this is... So, you know, the past few weeks, Dynamite, they've been really strong. When we say saved AEW Dynamite, we're not talking about it being in the pits. We're not talking about it being unwatchable and suddenly being great again because our mates just turned up. Our best friend, obviously, <laughs> uh, has turned back up on the show. We're talking about enriching your experience with that extra level of complexity. Do we feel, gentlemen, at this stage, that after two very strong weeks of Dynamite, do we feel this is a full-on return to the glory days or a two-week, not flash in the pan, but little honeymoon period? Um, I think it's back, and one of the reasons why I think it's back is that, and I don't want to make excuses for him, I'm not in the business, trust me, of simping for a billionaire. <laughs> I just don't want to do it. When AEW has been bad, and I've called it out for being bad, I get just as much grief of the AEW fans as the WWE fans. But, but, Tony Khan, sometimes of his own doing, quite frankly, has faced multiple crises since June, since May, since the CM Punk injury, since the various Forbidden Door things, the suspensions are all out, all the rest of it. He's never been able to go with his plan A, which would therefore allow him, when he can entrust the players involved in plan A, right? This is the framework for the story between CM Punk and MGF had CM Punk not burned that bridge. He's laughing. He's got two geniuses at work who can go collaborate, flesh out the material, put their own spin on it, come up with ideas for angles. He's got a destination. You need to do this this week, this week, go and flesh it out. Without that luxury of a plan, I think a lot of it's fallen apart. And I think that now that with nothing imminent on the horizon that he has to really worry about other than booking a great TV show, ipso facto, he's gone and booked two fantastic TV shows. And the challenge now, after that amazing MGF segment last night, for example, is that he's going to have to build MGF versus Danielson, which I think is the play for revolution. And we've already seen one of the best angles of the year, and they're not even drawn together just yet. So... Like ultimately what I think has happened is that he's got a lot of players back in the room and that he doesn't have multiple crises to sort out. And ultimately, when you've got Kenny Omega coming back, and I know it wasn't a huge hit in the ratings, but a lot of people who are really involved in that base uh, on the AEW fandom absolutely adored it. The whole purpose of having a meritocracy and a competitive environment. And look, it's ironic. 
and I don't, you know, Jim Cornette said that in OVW, right, all the way back in the day when he was in charge of the developmental system, is that he wanted to emulate a territory in that he wanted competition for spots. He wanted people to sort of outwork each other because the idea is that iron sharpens iron. And honestly, now that Kenny Omega's back, he is the standard bearer for really nerdy professional wrestling storytelling. And I think a lot of people are rising to that challenge in and around him. That might be the most generous take to Kenny Omega <laughs> possible. But it's ironic that Cornette kind of hated PWG on that basis because they kind of did in their own completely different slant, the exact same thing. It was like a race for the biggest pop of the night. And maybe you're getting that in AEW now. Iron Will Sharp and Iron and Kenny Omega's come back to raise the standard of what really luxurious, details, rich storytelling can be. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, the the meritocracy idea is an interesting one because I do think one of the what felt like a more common hole that we were able to poke in Tony Khan's booking with us, especially with like the the ultimate what seems like the tragic demise of the rankings, but certainly like lessening the importance of the rankings over the summer felt like any, the meritocracy was crumbling around you. You could just win a battle royal, or you could just suddenly find yourself with. 10 wins versus all your other opponents and getting a title shot that didn't really feel earned. It just felt like AW were taking shortcuts for the first time. And again, all of this is very speculative, but it doesn't strike me. Well, again, just to go back to the elite saga, the one thing they don't do is take shortcuts. They will do something that they know for a fact they're not going to touch for three years. Now, to use the example of the 2019, the young books are rusty. Can Kenny even go anymore? That was pro- like nearly actively bad for business, but they were committed to it because they knew that down the line you were going to get Page versus Omega, you were going to get the Young Bucks finally coming good, and all the riches that you know we got as fans over that. Um, and I just think that's yeah. In terms of it rubbing off on uh, other colleagues, they should feel because they're EVPs. Now there's another debate where was whether like what it is they do as EVPs after what came out in the wash of brawl out, but nonetheless they hold that title and they hold that position and the the certain responsibility and authority that comes with that. If the EVPs are patient enough to favour details and favour slow burn and risky stuff like diminishing your star aura, which is counterintuitive to how pro wrestling would typically work for playing the long game for affording a character like MJF. Uh, who is at this point a wrestler who you need to listen to every single word of because you never know which one it is that he's going to pick up on in six weeks' time. If that encourages 
well, everybody, ideally, but the majority of wrestlers to do that, then it's only for the betterment of this audience that we've discussed may not be the biggest, may not be, Dynamites may never be as big as Monday Night Raw's and we will never reach that 2021 run where it's, is this happening? Is this really happening? We might never get there again, but the audience that are there for AEW are going to be immensely satisfied with it. Of course, there are conversations drier ones to be had about growth but it would be nice as a fan first to go six eight twelve weeks of just a pay-per-view cycle of just thoroughly enjoying the creative and feeling as married to a product as you have done it's, it's how triple h had such a good few first months like i'm a wwe fan so i wanted to feel married to that product and vince man had stopped me for 20 years and then all of a sudden just the, the basics come good and you're like there i am i'm right back in i want to be like this i think and the elite know this and always have this will solidify a relationship that was starting to feel a little bit fractured post All Out. I think one more thing I want to add as well, a huge part of the AW feeling coming back, the form coming back, is that the elite know how to generate that party atmosphere. Mm. They can pile pop on top of pop and layer top pop on top of pop on top of pop and that was sorely missing for several weeks between um, All Out and Full Gear and I think a lot of times we watched a Dynamite and thought, you know, the action was good, not necessarily remarkable or like really, really exciting, but it felt like a WWE crowd. I remember mm. saying that. I remember hearing it, and now that's gone away. Like that old AEW atmosphere was so crucial in differentiating it from WWE as an experience. And Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks particularly know exactly how to get that party atmosphere. So it just does feel restorative, and it feels more like the company is back to itself again. And it's funny how it's called AEW because at this point it really feels to me like you need the E in AEW for it to exist as itself, as the most popular, buzzworthy version of itself. So contract season will be very, very interesting in that regard. I know these are very loose tangents we're all talking about, but hopefully they're quite interesting. Yeah, it might take a nice hefty increase on those TV rights <laughs> negotiations as yeah. well to keep hold of all these lads. Absolutely. So to kind of flip it over to the other side just a little bit, just briefly, because, I mean, if we were to go through it with a fine-toothed comb, there's probably lots of stuff we could pick out. Um... But we're all feeling good about AEW. Dynamite is registering really strongly at the moment. That electricity is back. That crowd connection is back. The details, as we've just discussed. Do you feel that we're still looking at a few things that Tony and, and, and the EVPs and everything, do they still have some room for improvement in your guys' eyes? And if so, where are they? What are they? I think that Tony Khan gets obsessed with things, right? Remember Bobby Fish? <laughs> <laughs> Got obsessed with Bobby Fish for six weeks, okay? He gets obsessed. Yeah, with, he loved his 70s wrestling, though. So that's he did. Right. Uh, and the 20s. He did. <laughs> he got obsessed with belt shots for a while. Mm. Um, he gets these little obsessions. One thing I noticed on this week's Dynamite is that in his attempts to like overlap some narratives, he did a perfect job, by the way, with the way in which he had John Moxley exit because John Moxley needed to not be in that building at the same time as William Regal because the ultimate characteristic of John Moxley, which you must adhere to, Every step of the way in his arc is that he is the picture of integrity. So he had to get out. And the way that they wrote him out of the building was by, in parallel, like crafting this incredibly emotionally intense grudge feud that I can't wait to see the next match of. So um, that was a great, great um, example of overlapping, dovetailing booking. He tried to do the same thing with Ricky Starks and MJF and Ethan Page and Matt Hardy. And I thought focus on the simple things as well. Like, I think he needs to realize that not every single storyline and character requires the same method of booking that he's into that week. He loves, loves, loves slow burn storylines too much. He sometimes crafts sagas for the sake of it, so much so I forgot that Matt Hardy was an indentured servant. I completely <laughs> forgot this thing has been going on for years between him and Private Party. I think he knows 
he needs to realise when to wrap some things up because not everything has the same heft as an MGF Moxley Regal or a Punk MGF or a Page Omega. Just in general, he needs to be a lot more disciplined. But then the magic resides in this chaotic ball of energy and that's so infectious on the product as on the whole. Yeah, there was a Bananas edition of Dynamite where, like, and I remember this because I'm a Jeff Jarrett guy, but where Jeff Jarrett debuted and there was a ton of stuff going on. And that was before Full Gear, but it felt like for the first time that the real, the craziness, the chaos, chaos. era was was back and the product desperately needed it as well. Um, so it's tricky because in trying to, you know, we're just people on a podcast, but in trying to pick at things that you would like him to improve, you then do risk what that might damage elsewhere. Um, it's, I don't want people to start just going, oh, they're whinging about this again, because this is how these complaints go away and it shouldn't go away. There's a big roster in AW, a huge one, and that's got a number of problems attached to it. But there are too many dishwater dull men, and I'm aware of the glass house within I throw this stone, dishwater dull men featured on a dynamite instead of minimum of two women yeah like honestly it's not just a case of like there was the years of excuses whether it be because of the pandemic or the very limited tv time or the water and there was a lot right we are way way past yeah. that now we are suffering the consequences of it all the time every pay-per-view cycle this comes up every tv show every single week it comes up with the crowds that don't respond in the way they should even when they do respond there's less of them because they've gone to the toilet or they've gone to buy a t-shirt or popcorn or whatever because the fans have been informed now like that rot is in and the only way, unfortunately, to deal with the rot is to just completely rip up and start again. You cannot just like do these little fixes one week because you've got this one character over, like uh, Soraya, for example. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's coming and she thought so everything's fine. It's not those those quick wins that like that Triple H was able to take when Vincent Mann left because the holes were so gaping. You cannot do that. Unfortunately, you really have to start again. And to use Matt Hardy as an example, or to, no, Matt Hardy's always a punching bag. To use that specific match, Ricky Starks versus Ari Davari, was it? Yeah. Yes. And uh, the, the promos and Matt Hardy and all that stuff on the stage. Ricky Starks had already cut a promo and he's wrestling at winter is coming in three weeks against MGF. Just get rid of all of that and you've just found 10 minutes of television time. Boom. Second woman's match. You've immediately addressed the obvious criticism, but it's the building blocks for what that will create down the line that will help. To counter that, just as my closing statement, if you like, how pretentious <laughs> does that bloody sound, right? I think Tony Connors did a magnificent job of getting Jamie Hayter over, mm-hmm. slowly getting Willow Nightingale, Nightingale over, Britt Baker stayed over. Tony Storm was an excellent steward for the division before she was unfortunately struck down by injury. He was doing a great job with Chris Statlander as well because I think the rumour was that she was intended to dethrone Jade Cargill at Grand Slam. So I do think there is an argument for actually these small gains are working and they are very slowly becoming a whole. But there was a, a really bad faith conspiracy theory that did the rounds not too long ago that I know Warner Brothers have told them only do one women's match and it it's preposterous. Yeah. <laughs> it was rubbished as being preposterous, but it's also quite easy to see why it took root <laughs> because <laughs> it's always one. Yeah. It is always one. And if you've got the stupidest, dumbest, most misogynistic conspiracy theory doing the rounds and you can see why people are receptive to it, that's a goddamn problem. So I agree with you completely. Yeah, from the same brains that brought you AEW Dynamite is on the verge of being cut to one hour despite being yeah. the top five show every week. We See, that's, that's that impossible to believe. Yes. That's yeah. impossible to believe. It's not going down to one hour. If anything, it's more in danger of going up to three. Ugh. Oh, boy. Right. I don't want it to, but that's the way these things work. Jolly old Saint Nick steps in to uh, give us that third hour. Yeah, well, the fact that the other one was hard was easier to believe says yeah. rather a lot. Yeah, absolutely does. God bless Nick Khan and his plan for seven-hour Raws uh, someday. <laughs> so we'll bring this back around. We'll wrap this up nice and neat. 
neat, nice and tidy. Uh, Kenny Omega, the Elite, best of seven series ongoing. What do we want to see? How do we want to fantasy book Kenny's run for the next while at least? It's a shame that they spent like almost a full solid year building Elite versus Undisputed Era for at least three of the players involved to just completely either go away or to unfortunately suffer significantly serious injuries. But I think a lot of people are wanting to do that. Obviously, Bobby Fish doesn't seem likely to get brought back <laughs> at this point. Um, you could go with Adam Cole in the Kingdom. Mm. I think his incredible charisma and star power combined with Matt Taven's genuinely very underrated in-ring ability. I thought his match with Wardlow was genuinely really good. That could be good. Um, Hangman Page and um, Takeshita in Ibushi. So you've got <laughs> Kenny Omega's <laughs> ultimate golden lovers reunion that he's always wanted to do. And you can tell he thinks the entire universe of Takeshita. So if you can put all six of those men in that ring... That would be phenomenal. So that's how I would like to see the trios division. Obviously, House of Black as well. Um, but Hamlet has got a much more greedy idea. I just I need Kenny Omega, top single star, like world champion, but it doesn't have to be the world champion, but just received as a top single star to just permanently dispel any suggestions that he's not a top single star. I really enjoyed his world title reign. And I think even you at the time, Cedric, said that like the reflections on this will be way kinder than living through it. But I think one of the reasons the reflections weren't that high living through it was because sometimes it did just feel like a bit of a laugh and a bit mm. of a lark about. And the elite have that way about them. I've called them this before. They feel like wrestling hobbyists that have built a stage for themselves with which to like do the thing they enjoy. Sometimes it's got to be about the business. And Kenny, I still think there is money in Kenny Omega, top single star, as a babyface, as much as he was the cartoon heel world champion. The, it's, it feels like a really old day to take, but when AW first started, and, like, and I would have said this, where's the New Japan feeling Kenny Omega? Well, it turns out he was sat in that chair building a New Japan match against Will Ospreay. It is yeah. right there at the click of his fingers. So that tells me that he is controlling the level of star he wishes to be on American television, perhaps because he doesn't believe he that character works as a singles TV star. I don't know. Like He knows this industry a hundred million times more than I do. So maybe he, that's a choice that he's making. But that one promo against Will Ospreay made me feel something different about Kenny Omega that I don't think I've... Maybe ever, maybe Grand Slam against Brian was the only time that I felt that. And it's really hard to define it and articulate it. It's just a feeling. But uh, if Kenny, if he can locate it that easily, I have to believe he can do it. And I love that he's mates with the Young Bucks. And I love that he cares about this trios division. I like singles wrestling more. So yeah. I just, and I just think Kenny hasn't, he, he's not even like began to operate on a level that I believe he can, which says a lot considering like the awesome in ring legacy he's already got in AW. And Will Ospreay is actually kind of the perfect bow to tie all of this up on, really, because that match is booked. Tokyo Dome, great. It's going to be awesome. going to be fun. How did this feud start? By Kenny Omega when he was still injured, when he was still six months away from recovering, just saying Will Ospreay only cares about star ratings and doing flips in little interviews. And then Ospreay fires back, calls him a see you next Tuesday. <laughs> Details, pay attention to stuff. Absolutely. With these guys, it matters. So our conclusion today... Kenny Omega is good. Shocking stuff. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, it's been an absolute joy, as always. Uh, remember, we do a bunch of different things. If you like these roundtables, we've got uh, discussions, reviews, previews. We've got interviews. We've got televised fights. We've got all kinds of stuff. You can find them on wherever you get your podcast from. Spotify, Apple, 
Amazon Music, Podbean. Amazon Music, there you go. Podbean. Podbean. There you go. PayPal, probably. Uh, they're everywhere. You can find them. You can follow us on Twitter, at WhatCultureWWE. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow Michael Hamflet at... Michael Hamflet. You can follow me at Andy H. Murray. The H stands for, hey, Wilborn is really good at his job. Yeah, he is. <laughs> this is tough. See you later. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.